Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. Welcome to Fostering Solutions. I am Dr. Michelle Foster, and I have the pleasure of having today as my guest, Don Wilson, or to be you know, more precise, Don Tiaco Wilson. That's right, Don Tiaco. Your your full government name, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, Don Tiaco. Okay, it's great to have you here um, with us today, and you know we continue on this journey of leadership. Really, I've been you know really scouring the people I know and, and inviting leaders to really share, you know, what made them who they are. So. Um, Thank you for saying yes to being a guest. Yeah, thanks so, for having me. Okay. So go ahead and tell the audience, who is Don Wilson? Tell the audience <laughs> about yourself. <laughs> well, I, I'm, my name's Don Wilson, Don Tiaco Erlante Wilson, uh, to be exact. Um, the grandson of a Jamaican immigrant uh, that moved here from Jamaica to Jamaica, Queens. And uh, that's my grandfather who I'm named after, Don Leonard Wilson. Okay. And uh, my namesake. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm a business owner. I'm a dad. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know, have become a community leader of sort. You know, through no fault of my own, I guess. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, just somebody that that has uh, you know uh, been been an entrepreneur my entire life. You know, uh, you know, started my first businesses at 21 and haven't stopped starting businesses since. Uh, I'm the owner of Capital Insurance Group, and uh, more importantly, I'm a native of Charleston's West Side, and uh, I right. love, love the West Side of Charleston. Best so side, as they say. Yes, right? no question, no question. My <laughs> grandfather actually taught math at Stonewall, so he taught a lot of the West Side kids, and I ran into one of his former students today, Charles Price. So yeah, definitely West Side of through and through. I uh, couldn't be more proud to be from the West Side of Charleston. Awesome, awesome. So you mentioned that you're the um, you own an insurance company. You're actually officially, I guess your title is managing partner of one of the larger insurance companies in Charleston. So what inspired you to, you know, launch your own insurance firm? Yeah, so I own insurance agencies uh, throughout the country now, uh, 15 offices in 12 states. Uh, Midwest. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Midwest headquarters is in Columbus or Southern headquarters is in Nashville. Obviously, here in Charleston, the, the hub, and then we have offices up north in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Southfield, Michigan. So, the uh, thing that inspired me most was probably my mother. Uh, my mom owned a, a, a small business. She did interior decoration. It was called Corner Creations. Okay. And I was, in, yeah, I was in the first grade uh, when she first opened that, and uh, kind of learned the entrepreneurship and what it meant to be your own boss at a really early age. She had that from my age, probably six to my age eight. So the beginning of my first grade year to the end of my probably second grade year, early third grade year. So I learned a lot. My dad built the cabinets and the, and the countertops, you know, it was real, it was a real family business. So, and that was probably my first, you know, endeavor in, in the small business ownership, you know, and, and I'm a big proponent and people always know me from my theory on proximity to success. You know, the closer you are to someone successful, the easier it is to be successful because it becomes reality in your eyes. You know, if you can touch it, you can be it. And if you can see it, you can believe it. 
And so my mom was a huge inspiration. She was a, an entrepreneur, opened her own business, did interior decorations. She also did like uh, these cool like fan things that people would use at their weddings instead of bouquets. Uh, it was really cool business. And, you know, that was probably my biggest inspiration. I always wanted to own my own business. I knew that from an early age. Mm-hmm. I was really into fashion, like best dressed and all that stuff. Wearing okay. Jordans. I didn't and know that. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm big, big into fashion. So, yeah. So I, so I, my dream, you know, even though I was a journalism major when I first went to college, my dream was always uh, Reverend Dante Jackson, the first person to hear it. I had a dream to own a clothing store, and uh, and and was fortunate enough to do do that. Yeah. Awesome. So was that your first independent business venture then? Closing yeah, my first my first business was in 2003. I launched uh, Reflections Clothing, which was formerly named Urban Legend. Uh, we changed it to Reflections Clothing. Uh, my me and two cousins, one on each side of my family, uh, started a, a retail clothing business. And uh, my competitive nature, you know, we had two locations. We had one in the Huntington Mall, and then we had one. Uh, a funny, super funny, that it was next door to where my my office is now. So we okay, own the clothing okay. for where the bully trap is now. Okay. We had a, a small retail location there. And we actually got to hang out with some really cool people. Like during that time, I hung out with Russell Simmons and oh, Jay, yeah. Jay-Z and Beyonce and okay. P. Diddy. So I met all those people at a super early. I mean, I'm talking 23, 24 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm rubbing elbows with, with fashion's elite, you know. And it really, what it did for me, anything, is it, it told me I belong. You know, and it didn't make anybody, you know, anybody too big for me to to be able to meet or do business with, you know, because if you're 23 years old, brokering deals with with Jay-Z, you know, through his clothing line or, you know, meeting all these super celebrities, Mm -hmm. you know, it really gives you some self-confidence that you belong in in the business world, you know. That's where it came from. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That early exposure. So be proximate. And, and there's a um, Brian Stevenson, one of one of the the guy, um, one of the famous um, advocacy for people with uh, for, for people involved in the criminal justice system. He always one of his recommendations is to really get proximate, yes. get close to you know whatever it is you're trying to change. So absolutely. Right. So why insurance? So you started off in clothing, and you watched your your parents do their thing. How did you end up in the insurance business? Yeah, so I, I never, and I don't think, I speak at schools all the time, whether I guess lecture at Ohio State or Marshall or even like Westside Middle or Westside Elementary. Nobody ever raises their hand when I say, who wants to be an insurance agent? <laughs> even the ones whose dads, like my, my two kids, J-Man, my son, he kind of hints at it. My daughter's like, does nobody want to work here? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I didn't pick it. I didn't really, it, it kind of chose me. I had my clothing business, uh, Reflections, and I did some research. You know, I, you know, when I closed those businesses uh, back in 2007, I believe, when I got rid of my businesses and got out clean and all that stuff, I did some research on who should have helped me through my business efforts, you know? Most people think it's a CPA. Most people think it, you know, it's so, something else, right? And CPAs do a great job, and I, I'm blessed to have an amazing one. But what they don't do is the pre-planning a lot of the time, you know. Mm. And what I found out is it was insurance agents. So I immediately 
started interviewing with uh, New York Life and Northwestern Mutual because I found out that mutual insurance companies were like the best career path, you know, back in 2007. And uh, mm-hmm. interviewed with both of them at the same time. You know, one of them turned me off. I went with the other uh, and, and started a, a <laughs> into this insurance and financial services world that I knew nothing about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if you kind of focus on the in, in, in your on your insurance entrepreneurial activities, how do you? Because you were working for a company, now you own your your right. own firm. You you're managing partner. So describe what that trajectory was like and what obstacles did you have to overcome, if any? Right. So it really, for me, it goes back to the, to the fashion industry, right? Mm-hmm. I, I created a principle called apprenticeship before ownership, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I, I truly believe Appre- that. Apprenticeship I, before ownership. Okay. Before ownership. Yeah. Because the reason my, my clothing company was so successful is I ran the buckle. For, for three and a half years as the manager of the buckle. I, I had to manage their budget, I had to manage margins, I had to figure out what worked, what didn't work. All those things that a business owner would do, I did with someone else's money for three and a half years. I learned okay. that clothing business, right? So I came up with that principle that if I was ever to own my own insurance agency, I wouldn't go right from clothing into insurance. So I knew in the back of my mind, that one day, even though I had started insurance, didn't know much about it, I said, if this is going to be my career, I want to own my own agency at some point. Mm-hmm. So my first four years, I was with uh, a mutual insurance company, Fortune 500 company, huge budget. You know, they flew me around the country. I was the top producer, you know, as far as most policies written. And they would fly me to New York, or Philadelphia, or Dallas, and give me all this training that I could never afford to do on my own. Mm-hmm. But I was learning. I was apprenticing under them. And then after about four, four and a half years, uh, you know, I left that company and went to a, a large local firm, right? Mm-hmm. And that large local firm taught me community grassroots stuff that the other firm did not teach me, right? But I was still learning using someone else's money, okay? Right. Learning this industry. And then I did that for six and a half years. So almost 11 years into the insurance industry before I started my own uh, insurance agency, following my principle of apprenticeship before ownership. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I knew, you know, I knew in 2007 that one day, if this was going to be my career, that I wanted to own my own, right? I didn't know. I wanted to call it Wilson Financial and, and I wanted to do financial advising and wealth management. I didn't see it as property and casualty because I didn't have a property and casualty license, home and auto insurance, uh, for people that don't know what it is. I didn't have that license until I had been in the, the financial services world for over four years. But I knew in the back of my mind, but I had to build up that equity, right? One, build my brand. Two, build my clientele. Three, build my reputation before I could strike out on my own. I had to know the margins of this business. I had to know the, right, right. the rules of engagement you in this business. You have to know business. your numbers, right? Yeah. Exactly. The numbers are key. And then knowing who to surround yourself with, a competent CPA, a competent attorney, all that stuff that you need to have, you know, in order for you to operate a, a successful financial services firm. And, you know, back in 2017, you know, we launched Capital Insurance Group uh, February 1st, 2017. And, uh, you know, four and a half years to grow to 15 locations in 12 states is, is unprecedented, you know, Amazing. Uh, in the insurance industry. And, and so, what we've been lucky to, lucky enough is, you know, I knew the business through and through. I knew how much revenue per employee that 
that you needed before you started hiring people, you know, and didn't hire anybody at a, you know, salary until we hit that number so that our margins and our numbers could be correct. So it was that, that principle of apprenticeship before ownership. I, I tell people, learn your industry before you try to own in that industry. You know, even if you're doing a, you know, a franchise like a subway, if you've worked at one of those types of places prior to, it's a lot easier to start your own sub place or your own sandwich shop because you see the day-to-day operation. You'll know the seasonal activities and you'll know your competition, your highs and lows, your do's and don'ts. Awesome, awesome. So what what challenges did you have to overcome? Because uh, that was a very sharp yeah. uptick in, in, in location. So right. what challenges, was, was it all, you know, Smooth sailing, I, I don't know, but what, like, what did you have to <laughs> overcome for that kind of quick growth, that steep growth? Right, right. Well, we, it was a lot of challenges. One, uh, you know, I, 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 I had built this brand, you know, but, uh, you know, there's a thing called a non-compete in our business. I was lucky enough that I didn't have one, but a lot of my clients were already tied to the particular insurance carrier that I had already written their insurance with. That's, mm-hmm. that's a challenge. So, so contacts, budget, right? Do you have enough money to contact all the people that you need to and get your word up? I was lucky that social media existed. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't imagine doing this without social media. Uh, but just manpower, uh, you know, a big, a big one for me in this industry, you know, the demographics and, and the lack of diversity around the country, right? I'm one of, you know, very few uh, African-American or black. Even around the country, not just Charles. Oh, no, around the country. Oh, wow. yeah, I'm the only, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm the only in West Virginia, but mm. yeah, around the country, where I talk to nationwide of the world and the Granges of the world and the, you know, all states of the world, and they're, they're dying for diversity. And wow. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it to them, you know, I'm hiring, a, you know, a diverse work staff, you know, based on talent, you know, uh, and, you know, trying to give more opportunities uh, to Blacks in this industry because we do such a great job in it. But as an owner, yeah, it's pretty rare. So, you know, overcoming those those hurdles, you know, you know, it's, it's really, I've really been embraced, you know, it, so I've been really fortunate. But, you know, learning those things, getting the carriers was, was, a, was a huge obstacle as well. I mean, like, carrier relationship, because as, a, as an agency rep, as an agent for an agency, you never talk to the higher ups at these insurance carriers. So knowing that jargon and what to say, uh, you know, I was really blessed that I had two advocates in my corner, a guy by the name of Kirk Keller, uh, who's been a huge, huge help to my to my insurance business. And then another agency owner by the name of Michael Black, who reached out to me and let me know the ropes, showed me the ropes and, and opened some doors for me. So, but it was tough at first, those first, those first 90 days <laughs> at the Wilson household, it, it was a little touch and go. You know, but but we've done really well through it. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of, of the lows because they teach me how to, you know, appreciate those highs that, that you that you receive from hard work. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you're yeah. clearly a leader from a young age. I mean, starting your business at 21. That's amazing. And I believe I believe that that leaders are are made that they aren't they you know, you don't have to be a born leader. You can learn. And it's really about skills and attitudes and behaviors. So what did you have to learn? And when you kind of reflect on your life since you were 21, what did you have to learn um, or adopt in order to to successfully lead 
whether it was your clothing business or now your insurance business? Yeah, a few things for me. One, one is patience, mm-hmm. you know, uh, adopting that model of being patient, you know. Uh, and also, you know me pretty well, Doc. <laughs> you know, knowing when not to talk, you know, which, is, <laughs> which can be tough for me because I'm, I'm, I'm one of, you know, people say I'm a people person. You know, people that are people, people persons don't have to tell anybody. I'm one of those people. I never <laughs> had to say in an interview, I'm a people person. You know, people know I'm a people person as soon as they meet me. So no one never met a stranger. You never met a stranger. <laughs> never, never, never. Yeah. So knowing when not to talk, when not to play my hand, you know, when mm-hmm. people ask me how things are going, and I kind of learned that when I ran for office, you know, mm-hmm. I ran for office in 2016, the year before I started the business. People go, you know, Matt Sutton taught me that. Like, how are things going? Man, better than expected. Better than expected. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't know how things were going, but better than expected was always my answer because Matt said, never, never play your hand, you know, never tell people exactly where you're at in anything because you're going to give away something that, that helps you get to where you're at. So I always tell people, yeah, we're doing great, man. We're just creating jobs. You know, we're, we're, you know, doing better than we thought we would, you know, learning those principles, right. The patient side of it, that things aren't going to happen right away. Uh, a huge thing for me too was learning that, you know, I'm, I'm a real passionate, wearing my heart on my sleeve kind of guy. And I'm all in on Capital Insurance Group. Understanding the fact that my 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 staff and my employees, this isn't their life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this is my life. CIG is my make or break. It is not their make or break. They, they may or may not find another job at some point, And this is not their make or break lifelong thing, you know. And, and realizing that they're not going to be as passionate about my thing because they have their own thing. And, and so learning to embrace the, the personal development of my staff versus the professional development of my staff. And the more that I focus on their personal development, the more they'll help me develop my professional development, mm-hmm. you know, and the more open they are to professional develop, development for me, if I care about their personal stuff, you know, so understanding that, that part was really tough for me. You know, I always do the analogy of how bad a coach Michael Jordan would be because he was, or Kobe Bryant, because they're so yeah. intense. You know, as soon as another guy laughs about a mess up, they would go crazy, you know, because they're such intense competitors. I'm very similar when it comes to business. I, I am intense and I realize that. So mm-hmm. taking myself out of roles that I think and I know that I could do better than one of my staff, mm-hmm. but allowing them to flourish in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it's been it's been such a huge growth for our business. I call our employees the exponents, you know, uh, because they allow us two to the eighth power, two to the 12th power is a lot more powerful than two to the first power. And so understanding that there are people out there better than me at stuff that I'm going to come across, but allowing them to flourish in that role has mm. been a huge factor in the growth of my business. That's, that's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. It's coming to that self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. It is tough though. It's that, that discovery of that you can't be all things to all people and right, be amazing right. at all things can be tough, especially for, for somebody like me, you know, but it, it's been, it's been a rewarding thing watching these staff members and these, these people get their licenses and grow and develop mm-hmm. without me, you know, being there to hold their hand. And it, it really made, it makes our business that much better. Do they become more, more dedicated as a result of that? Do you, do you see an increase in their dedication? Yes. Yes. It, it is routine. Doing that. It yeah. is routine. I mean, it is routine. I promise you. Last Friday, mm-hmm. I had to leave the office early to do inspections and stuff or homes. And I promise you, they clocked out. At, we closed 
we're open 10 hours a week longer than every other church agency. Mm -hmm. Eight to six, Monday through Friday, right? Which is, mm -hmm. you know, an hour early and an hour late. I kid you not, without me asking, they were here till 6.47 on a Friday. Uh -huh. On a Friday. On a Friday. Whoa. On a Friday, yes. That is dedication like, like, right there. The, the ownership that they take in their roles is is so, it's, it's really cool to see the more I get out of the way. And I've also noticed, <laughs> and it, it kind of stinks to say, I've also noticed that the production is higher when I'm out of, when I either close my door in my office or I go once a week, myself and my VP, Chris Spangler, we go up to Lewisburg just to clear our minds. We'll go up there and do some prospecting or we'll, we'll just grab lunch or we'll meet people or meet with realtors, whatever it is. But it gets me out of the office and out of their way every week that day, whatever day it is, typically Wednesday, whatever day it is, I'm telling my staff, like sales like crazy. Because <laughs> I'm out of the way. I'm, I'm not in their way. So I tell them, I, I deliberately sometimes will come in the office for the first time at noon or one o'clock. And then I won't say anything. I've, I am a fist bumper. Every time I come in, we got handshakes and stuff like that. Right, right. Me and the staff do. So, But yeah, I try to stay out of their way as much as possible because it empowers them to be, to be great on their own. Okay, wonderful. So you mentioned a couple of, um, of, of guys who provided to help to open some doors for you. Yeah. What, what coaching have you received? Have you received any coaching yeah. on your journey and how did it impact your business outcomes? Yeah, I always tell people 2008, I went to Dallas with New York Life, uh, the, the company I started my career with. And uh, it changed my life, it changed my career. Uh, I was in Dallas. Uh, a couple of things happened. It was a, uh, there was this huge conference with all the top 75 agents in that quarter that started at a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about agents from all over the country, right? And there was a guy named Tim Fitzgerald there who's a huge agent. I mean, multi, multi-million dollar agent wow. out of Mississippi who runs the Tim Fitzgerald Group, who I said, I want to be like that guy one day. I want to own mm -hmm. my own agency. I look at his website once a week, you know, I just, you know, <laughs> everything. <Talking. laughs> yeah, yeah, like I want to do that one day. And mm -hmm. then, and then there was a guy by the name of Dr. Randy Marshall. If, if anybody that knows me, like in this in industry knows I love Dr. Randy Marshall. Mm -hmm. He told me a couple things that day. He told me uh, one thing, he was, a, he was a professional baseball player and he was George Brett's backup, right? Mm -hmm. And he said that George Brett one year batted like 347, led the American League in batting. And he goes, what do you think George Brett was working on the first day of spring training the next year? And everybody guessed, everybody guessed. And it was like, man, oh, it was fielding. It was this, it was that. And they, Dr. Randy Marshall, no, it was batting. He worked on his swing again. He wanted to perfect his swing. He wanted, he wanted to be the best hitter possible in specialization. Mm -hmm. Is one thing. Be known for one thing before you pivot to, to another thing. Mm -hmm. Like when people see me, and you know this as well as anybody, when people see me, they think of insurance. Yeah. You know, when yeah. you see Don Wilson, you think of insurance. And I wanted that to happen. I wanted my name to be synonymous with my industry. The other thing that Dr. Randy Marshall told me that day, this is the part that really changed my life. He said, he said, people in this business get confused, confused two words, goals and desires. He said, a goal is something that you alone can control. A desire takes action from someone else. Mm -hmm. So I changed my goal from 100 sales a month to 250 calls. So the action leads to the outcome, as opposed to looking at the outcome. Look at the action that you alone you can control uh -huh. and nothing else. 
So I would call people and they would hang up on me. And I'd go, man, thank you. Or they yell at me. And I'd say, thank you. Have a great day. You know what you just did? You just helped me accomplish my goal of 250 calls. I don't care what was said on the other line. I'm getting the 250 calls. And guess what happened? If I made 250 calls in a day, I would sell 30 or 40 policies that week because I looked at the goal right, and the action right. versus the results. So we do that here at CIG. We only, we don't, sales goal is an oxymoron. And I guarantee every other agency around the country is talking about sales goals. When a, when a sale takes action from someone else, it's a desire. So we stop worrying about the outcomes that we can't control on our own. And I literally, I don't even, I never look at my competition's websites or Facebook pages. I only control, I only concern myself with the actions of CIG and what we can control by ourselves. Okay, that's good. So your yeah. goals are what you can you alone control. Can control. Yep. Desires are what you need someone else's yep. In yep. input to that. That's yep. It takes action from someone else. The goal is something you alone can do. Yeah. A desire takes action from someone else. So a sale awesome. is a desire. But you, what you do on a sales call, mm-hmm, right, when you're mm-hmm. presenting, you have your four or five points. If you get your four or five points and they don't buy, you did your job. That's Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. You yep. can control that. Absolutely. Yep. Control your presentation. You can't control the sale book. Right, right. You, you can't control how someone else responds, but you can control right. what, what. That's profound, Don. Appreciate it. Lots of good nuggets here. <laughs> <laughs> so based on your experience, what are some keys to effective leadership? Yeah. Based so, on what you've, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Key one, one is give is give and take. You know, mm-hmm. you you have to take a long look in the mirror at, at what you've done, right? So anytime we do a, uh, we just did this last week with our entire sales team. The last thing we always ask is, what can I do? What could what could what could our team, our leadership team here, do to help you be more effective? Right. So mm-hmm. understanding that you play an active role in the failure and the successes of everyone based on your, based on your output, right? If I come in, I literally, I walk in, my energy, right, first and foremost, has to be high every day, no matter what my mood is when I walk in the building. And I, I promise you not, no matter what mood I'm in, I fist bump the first two people. Justin and I have a, a secret handshake that we do. Uh, Mike and I have a secret handshake that we do. I fist bump Carly and the rest of the team. And I'm high energy. Then I may come back to my office and exhale. You know, man, it's been a tough morning up there. But I never let my I never let my team see me down. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I equate my job here a lot like Nick Saban. You know what I'm saying? I'm a recruiter. You know what I'm saying? I want to recruit the most five stars as possible. You know, mm-hmm. but I have to also be worthy of five stars, right? So knowing knowing that part, right? Am I a five star program? The CIG a five star business? Right, we can't recruit five-star recruits and five-star talent if we're not if we're not winning championships. Right, just like Alabama gets all the top athletes because they win so much. So I have learned, you know, the key thing is being reflective, knowing that one, the things that I do lead to the things that my team does. Right, right. so they're they're going to be a reflection of me and my energy and my ability. Right, so making sure one, I'm always professional and dressed in, in, in my CIG gear, mm-hmm. you know, so that they, they follow suit and do the same thing. Uh, two, making sure that I'm punctual, right, and being a lead by example type of person. That's what I do. 
You know, I try to lead by example, doing right. little things. I answer the phones. You know, I, I have a rule though. And when I answer, if I answer the phone and you get you get me as a client, you get a gift card every time. Because <laughs> I, I, I rarely answer the phone. But if I answer the phone, that's the rule. Don answer the phone, Don send out a gift card, you know. And so it's really just being being upbeat, knowing that my energy affects everyone else's energy. And, and, and making sure that I'm always on my game so that my team can be on their game. Awesome. Yeah. Those are good ones. Those are good ones. So um, so now you you started back in 2017, was it? Right. How, how many people do you have on your team now? Ooh, yeah, it fluctuates between 18 and 20. 18 and 20. 20. Yeah. We have our headquarters here that, that fluctuates between 12 and 15. And mm-hmm. then we have satellite agents around the country. Okay. Yeah. Good, good, good. So what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started Capital <laughs> Uh Well, what one do you thing know that, now is it's only it's yeah. four and a half years, but a lot has happened. Yeah, a lot, a yeah. lot, a lot. Yeah. Including a pandemic, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, for me, it would, it would be, you know, uh, making sure that everything is in writing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had some you know, stuff from my business, uh, you know, that, that changed and, and ownership stuff, you know, and making sure that you you have everything in writing and in, in, in proper order before you start your business, right? Before you start the business. Before, so, right, okay. Hiring a competent attorney, having a uh, an ironclad business partner and partnership agreement would be important for any business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then making sure that you have a competent CPA, you know, uh, I didn't know how effective my CPA and how big a part of my CPA would play in my business. But I mean, she acts as essentially my CFO, you know, and if I didn't have that C- CPA, you hear it all the time. People get in tax trouble and stuff like that. Right, you know, right. you know, we, we've avoided those pitfalls. Uh, you know, I didn't realize how important it was, you know, having those professional advisors. We didn't, I didn't have uh, an attorney uh, when I started, uh, the business. Now we have an attorney on retainer as a result of the different changes that happened with our, our company in 2019. And, you know, so making sure that you have all your ducks in a row, right? We, we incorporated, we did all that stuff. I did that, you know, but making sure that you got the partnership agreement and those, those lines and expectations of each person involved in the business are clearly and concisely laid out prior to starting the business, or you shouldn't start it. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So what's next that you can share? I don't want you to give away your secrets. <laughs> what's yeah. next for Capital Insurance Group? Yeah, so in more expansion. Uh, I, I, okay. I, I, I just personally got a residence in Columbus. Uh, so okay. I'm going to be living part-time in Columbus and part-time in Charleston, but not too part-time, like 85-15. So okay. uh, a couple days a week in Columbus, we are Expanding the Columbus uh, headquarters, uh, the Midwest headquarters, mm-hmm. a ton. Uh, the Charleston headquarters are still rolling. We, we had two people start their first day today. So okay. that's still going. So I have no fears. West Virginia will always be a West Virginia company. Uh, we just signed a deal two weeks ago for four new locations in North Carolina. So Greensboro and, awesome. and Charlotte, awesome. and Durham, and some other places in North Carolina. Uh, we're working on another deal. Uh, with a group out of uh, out of Ohio to open up six offices by uh, first quarter 2022 in Ohio, six new offices. So we'll probably 
you know, if we did this interview in four and a half more years, I would say we'd have about 35 to 40 locations around the country. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, and we're getting more digital, uh, more digital. Mm. You'll see a lot of client facing things. We did launch a mobile app recently. Uh, mm-hmm. So more digital stuff, uh, client facing stuff, automations and integrations, trying to keep up with the Silicon Valley uh, takeover of our industry so that we can give our clients um, so is the, a more is the industry growing that much that you that there's demand for that many offices? That's, well, that's, it is for us. So we we have some, okay. prior, some proprietary uh, things that I created uh, that allow us, you know, to uh, kind of dominate the market. Yeah, we okay. we we broke we broke records with, with Progressive. Like Progressive is the third largest insurer in the country. We reached mm-hmm. platinum silver status faster than any agency in the history of the company. And we became the first company in West Virginia to do that, you know, in the history of West Virginia. So, you know, uh, with progressive. And so we, we are uniquely positioned uh, for a number of reasons uh, to just grow. And quite frankly, I don't want to give away too much stuff, but 10% of people change, 10% of people change their insurance every year anyway. Uh, you know, regardless, even if they're happy, mm-hmm. 10% turns over. So with that in mind, you know, as we grow, we want to just capture, you know, one and a half, two percent of that 10% in a number of markets. And we, we have the software and the people and the carriers to do so. Right. And I guess the sky's the limit because you're you're selling just in this kind of just kind of explain how the insurance market works because you're selling yeah. policies from others, right? From yeah, so we are we are a full service agent, right? So mm-hmm. and we work with the large companies, so nationwide, Allstate, Liberty, Progressive, right. Encova. Uh, we work with all these different carriers. We're the middleman. We we basically play matchmaker, right? You okay. bring your information to us. We play we collect that information, and we have experts that know within like two or three carriers. And we have a hundred carriers, right? Mm-hmm. Typically, for in, any one person, it's 17 to 21 carriers that you would get a quote from us, for, that we would do a quote for you for, okay? okay? But our experts, through our training and through our software, based on your answers to our questionnaire, which is pretty extensive, we know within like three to four carriers, which carrier is going to be the best fit for you. So mm-hmm. it allows us to cut down on the quote time. And then we've created a, another software that allows us to reshop your insurance every two years you know, to keep your pricing down and okay. things of that nature. We, we focus on marketing and keeping our clients happy. We're at 4.9 on, out of five on Google. And so, awesome. right, awesome. With, with more reviews than with more reviews than companies that started 25, 30 years ago. Wow, right. that's amazing. Right. Thank you so much, Don. It was great talking with you and got yeah. a lot of nuggets. I had to remember, you know, a lot of the... <laughs> the, the yeah the knowledge that you dropped here. So thank you right. so much for making it. time to talk about leadership. Take I appreciate care. you having me. I'm, I'm truly honored.